If you'll turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, we're going to be at the end of chapter 2. We're continuing into our series. This may be the last week that I share for right now, and I can come back later on. Uh, but what the Lord has placed in my heart these last four weeks. Nehemiah chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 17, but we're going to pray over the word this morning. Bless you, Jesus. I do for Guatemala, I have a shirt that has airplanes all over it, and that's what I'm going to wear on the plane tomorrow. Hopefully they'll upgrade me to first class because I just look so cool. (laughs) Father, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you, Jesus, that uh, you love us as we are. Thank you, Jesus, that you just so love us as we are, Lord. But I also thank you that you don't leave us there, that you reveal yourself to us, you reveal us your love, your power, your presence, Lord, and it changes us, conforms us into your image. Thank you, Jesus, that you set us free daily from who we were or who Satan shoved on us, Lord, and bring it, you bring us into our identity in you, Father. Thank you, Father, for that. So, Lord, we pray this morning that you would bring revelation from your word. Holy Spirit, as you have been sent and that you dwell among us to reveal Jesus, we ask you to reveal Jesus this morning. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, give us understanding that we can uh, walk in a fresh revelation of who Jesus is this morning, Lord. Let your anointing rest upon the word so that every word that goes out, Lord, would be a good seed that would fall on good soil that would bring good fruit, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. So we've been going over the book of Nehemiah, just to recap just a little bit, we've been going over the book of Nehemiah and discussing what it means to get that apostolic calling or that apostolic vision or apostolic prayer when the Lord puts on your heart something that's around you that you can walk out. Now, apostolic I'm using here, not the capital A as in you're an apostle, but a small a as in the apostolic heart of Jesus, because he constantly was sending people out in different degrees. And so getting that heart, seeing around you where you are in your sphere of influence, what you can bring as you carry Jesus into your sphere of influence. Uh, Just asking the Lord, let me see where the walls are broken down and how I can be a part of building those walls back up, Lord, so that your people are prosperous and can walk in all that you have for them. And so that has been kind of the theme of we've been walking out here over the last four weeks. And so I want to continue in that. And uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. Uh, So at this point... Nehemiah had the night before, he's arrived in Jerusalem and he he goes around and walks around the outside of the entire city by horse and by foot to to see what the damage is because he hasn't yet let everyone know why the king has sent him, why he has the resources, why he has the authority, why he, what he's going to carry out what, with what he's going to do. So this is when he presents it to them, verse 17. He says, then I said to them, hey, you see the trouble we're in? Are you aware where you are? Are you aware of where you are right now? Uh, You realize that's the question that God asked Adam. Where are you? And he also asked it to Cain. Why are you downcast? this This is the first question God always asks because we can't move forward when we don't know where we are. 
If you don't know where you are, you're going to resist any, any movement forward. You've got to really honestly know where you are and be honest about it, of where you are, so that you can move forward. Okay? So he asked them, hey, do you see the trouble we are in? How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned down. You've been living here for 70 years. Have you seen the trouble that's all around you? And then he inspires them with the word of the Lord. He brings hope to the situation because God never lets you know where you are without revealing Jesus to you. He doesn't just leave you and just say, oh man, you are bad, 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 bad. Life is terrible. It's, it's disgusting. You need to, uh, and leaves it there. He always comes in and says, okay, you are actually here, but let's look at Jesus and come on, rise up into Jesus. He always brings the hope and the life of Jesus into any situation, no matter where you are. And so Nehemiah says to them, come let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. Come let us, let's grab a hold of what Jesus has for us. Let's buy into what Jesus has for us. Let's join together in unity and walk out what Jesus has for us so that the walls around us can be built up and we can experience the fullness of what God has for us. Come on. It's what Jesus has for us. And Nehemiah says, come let us. Verse 18, And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. God's hand is upon you for good. If you look down at your hands, God's hands are upon your hands for good. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to be a pain in the rear. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to fail miserably. No. It's we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good, to do works of good that he prearranged for us to do in advance. I've already set it all up for you. Just trust in me. Let me do the good through you. And Nehemiah recognizes that. I told them of the hand of my God that has been upon me for good. When, when Jesus was born and the angels announced God's goodwill toward men, Jesus went around doing. You see the theme there? Okay, so Jesus, where does he live? This is like elementary school, spark, this is spark level stuff. Where does Jesus live? In your hearts. And so wherever you go, where does Jesus go? Same place, right? And so if Jesus goes around doing good, where is Jesus doing good? Everywhere you go, right? In you and all around you. Amen? Okay. So Nehemiah says this, he, and basically this is what he's trying to get them to understand. God is for me. God has uh, laid this upon my heart. He's been good to me. I'm coming here to encourage you that it's not just me, but I'm giving you the vision so that you can grab a hold of it, see the need around you, and then step into the resources of Jesus and make the difference. This is what he says to them. This is an apostolic thing. You're sent. You're enabled. You're, let's get up and go. Come on. Yeah. Okay, I'm a little too excited. 
So he says to them, let's see, uh, and all the words, so he says, look at what God put upon me for good, and also of the words that the king has spoken to me. This is what Jesus told me. This is the revelation of Jesus that I have. This is Jesus that I see. See, he says, of of the words, remember Jesus is the word, John 1, and uh, Isaiah 54, the expansion of the tent in Isaiah 54 is a deeper revelation of Jesus because Jesus is the tabernacle and he tabernacles in us by the Holy Spirit. So it's a deeper revelation of Jesus and when you get a deeper revelation of Jesus, you can't help but declare the good things of Jesus in a deeper and a a louder way. I preached in my high school because I had Jesus radically change my life from a depressed, suicidal 15-year-old who was hopeless to somebody that was full of the joy and the goofiness that I am. I couldn't help but preach. Did I need some mentoring and some uh, uh, maturing and stuff? Sure I did. I needed to figure out more diplomatic ways of saying things at times. And it caused me to be cussed at and spit on and all kinds of things that I didn't necessarily have to be in every situation. But I couldn't help but bubble out Jesus because Jesus was in my heart. So where you go, the words of Jesus, the king, the words of the king that have been spoken to you just bubble out of you. And so Nehemiah says to them, I want you to respond to what I said. I want you to grab a hold of and, let, and, and, and move forward with what I am telling you. Let us rise up and let us build. Let us rise up and build. What an exciting time. Do you realize this is a shifting away from... Uh, participation, uh, audience, uh, ministry to individualized, uh, you're actively involved. Each member is actively involved in ministry. This was a pretty big shift. You realize that this wasn't, hey guys, this is something the Levites need to do. So I'm just telling you so that you give money because we're going to get the Levites and we're all the priests who are the holy ones are going to get together and we're all going to build this. He didn't say that. He said, it's all of our part to grab a hold and to build up the wall. The walls that you see are different than the walls that I see. The walls that you're called to build up are different than the walls that I am called to build up. But they're all important. They're all part of the wall. We can grab a hold of and build as Jesus goes before us. Now, when this happens, well, I got ahead of myself, sorry. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. They strengthened their hands. They said, hands, you be strong. They said, hands, okay, don't be discouraged. They said, hands, believe God. They said, hands, move forward. Hands, stretch out. Hands, yeah, I know it's new and uncomfortable, but go ahead and grab that hammer or that pick or whatever. Hands, let's, let's get going. They strengthened their hands to be able to move forward. Satan doesn't like that. Satan doesn't like when uh, the church begins to act like the church, the true church. Satan doesn't. So Satan fights it because the sat- Satan wants the church to be an audience that meets together in a box and stays within that box. Because taking Jesus out of this physical building 
is like dangerous for Satan. He likes Jesus kept here in this building. We can do whatever we want in the building as long as you stay in the building. Just stay in the building. And when you walk out those doors, take off Jesus and just go back to your uh, old self where I am ruler. Don't bring Jesus where you live. Man, because I own... You fill in the blank with that. That belongs to me. And so immediately they face opposition. Uh, when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite servant, and Geshem, the Arab, heard it, they jeered at us and despised us. They jeered at you know, a jeer is to get you to doubt what the Lord has told you to do. Who do you think you are? You can't do that. Have you looked in the mirror lately? What about what happened yesterday? Anybody hearing that right now as I'm preaching? A little voice in your head say, well, if pastor only knew what happened last night, he would say, well, you're disqualified. No, pastor would say, well, just take it to Jesus and not let it become your identity because your identity is in Jesus. Your identity isn't in what you do. So take what you do to Jesus and get back to your identity. And kick the devil in the teeth with it. Dear Lord, jeered at us and despised us, looked down on us, tried to put their view of us onto us so that we would get back into the box where we currently are. I've preached it lots of times. I, I know you've heard it. Who declares who you are? What declares who you are? What has authority to speak over you and put you in a box? Because you know we all have things we run into that suddenly drop us into a box. And we're like, okay, I'll back into. I'll back into who I was. You know, it's like when you go home after you've been away from home for a long time and you go back to the small town you grew up in and all of a sudden you find you're acting different. You're back in the box that you were when you were 18 and when you left. And you're like, why am I acting this way? Because you're reverting back to that box because the whole city, you just that's where you live. And then you have to like, okay, I am not who I was when I was 18. I will not be this way. I just moved back to a town that we lived 10 years ago. And I am like, okay, I am a different person. I carry a different weight than I did 10 years ago. I'm going to be who I am now. I'm not going to revert back to who I was. When you get the revelation of Jesus, Satan is always trying to, you, trying to get you to th put the revelation away and be who you are right now. Not who Jesus has made you. And you've got to remind him. So he says, who are you? Who do you think you are? Uh, what is this thing that you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Do you even know what you're talking about? Do you even know Jesus? Do you even know Jesus? Jesus doesn't act this way. Jesus doesn't set people free. Jesus is religious. Jesus just puts you in bondage. I can remember talking to a young man and him going, you know, since I have followed Jesus, my life has been miserable. 
And at the time I was a young believer, I didn't have a response. Now I, got, I could talk, talk his ear off now. At the time I was like, I can't, that just totally blew my understanding. I didn't know what to respond. Now it is, wow, then you're really not following Jesus. You're following him for the complete wrong reasons. You're, you're, you're leading a religious life to get a religious goal. You're not following Jesus. Because what we suffer now, what we turn away from now, is not worthy to be compared of the revelation of Jesus when you get it. It's like you look back and go, oh, wow. I gave up that thing. Oh, man. That little that that thing gave me is not worthy to be compared to the revelation I have now of Jesus. The fellowship I have now of Jesus. So Nehemiah replies to them, this is my identity. This is who I am. The God of heaven will make us prosper. And we, his servants, will arise and we will build. But you have no portion or right or claim in this city of peace. Did you catch that? He's saying who I am and Satan who you are and what you can't speak over me. You cannot, we are, the God of heaven, my father, has made us to prosper. Jeremiah 29, 11. It's all over social media. If you get on social media, you'll see it. Jeremiah 29, 11. The plans I have are to prosper you, okay? God is for prospering us. Through difficult times, through good times, it doesn't make a difference. It's all to bring us and conform us into reveal Jesus. We are his servants. We belong to him. We're in relationship with him. We're connected to him. He, we are in his kingdom, not your kingdom. We will arise and we will build. We will respond in faith to what God has spoken to us, not what you're saying. You have no portion. You don't have any part of me. You have no right. You don't have the authority to say anything to me. I don't have to listen to you. You're not my mom. <laughs> or claim. Or claim. I don't care what you think you have a hook in me for. Even when you remind me of ways that you have hooks in me, I will dedicate that and turn that over to Jesus and say, Jesus, he's got this hook in me, but you know what? I belong to you. So I ask you to reveal to me to get this hook out of me so that I am totally free to walk in your freedom. Thank you, Satan, for reminding me of the ways you got a hook in me because now I'm going to give it to Jesus. Because I'm his son. I'm his favored son. You're his daughter, his favorite daughter. It doesn't upset Jesus in the sense that he gets mad at us when we fall under the guise and the condemnation of uh, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. It saddens his heart, but not that he's mad at you. God doesn't act that way. So don't not turn to Jesus because you think, well, God's mad at me because I've been living under the, 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 the junk of these guys for years now. No, just turn it and when, you, when it hits, go, okay, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to I understand you. I want to move out of their influence in my life. 
what they have spoken over me, what Satan has spoken over me. I want to walk in your freedom. And today I choose to walk in your freedom. Arise and build, O beautiful church. Arise and build. Number one, you are the move of God. You are the move of God. So if you're looking for some other great move of God to happen, look in the mirror. You are the move of God. This is the great revival of the last days. This is, this is it. It's you. Does that scare you? It scares you, meaning that you're, you have, you're not built up in your faith in Jesus and your reliance upon him, that he is able to do what he promised he could do. And I, and I get it, because, I mean, all the time it's, it's you know, you don't see, you haven't seen. But you know how easy it is when, when God begins to move and we have our eyes on him and how easy it is for God to move? Dear Lord, I, I'm a, the, the goofiest 20-year-old that exist. I mean, just messed up. I think I went through deliverance around 23 and got like rejection casted off me and radically changed my life from that point on. Up until that point, I still had all this stuff I was dealing with, fears, uh, rejection, all this stuff. But at the same time, there's this hundred kids of youth that Jesus wanted to touch. And I was totally open to letting Jesus touch people through me. And man, the, the power of the Holy Spirit was flowing there was the, I mean, just wild Holy Spirit stuff happening, Toronto-type stuff happening in, our, in, in the museum of the first Soviet, inside the former Soviet Union. God's moving and doing this work among these kids. And most of them now are serving Jesus and are leaders in the church in Russia. So God was doing, he was, he was getting his church ready, meeting them there at their age, and their 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids there. And using this goofy 20-year-old to do it. My point being that God can use you where you are right now. All, it's a matter of being willing because the use of God does not equate to your relationship with God. Let me say that again. Make sure that sinks deep. The use of God or what happens through you does not equal or equate to or signify the relationship that you have with Jesus. It only signifies your willingness or your understanding of how to flow with God. Okay, did I freak you out? What I'm basically saying is, no matter what you see, some of the people up there that you see, they're, they're just flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That does not mean that they have a deep relationship with Jesus, and that they have, are men or women of character. It doesn't. It means that they have understood the gifting, they've learned how to flow, and they're willing to let the Holy Spirit flow through them. Your character and your relationship with Jesus is a separate thing from what you do. And your lack of doing this doesn't mean you're not deep. I don't know, have I completely freaked you all out? Just processing. 
There have been great men and women of God, great, I use that loosely, who have done massive things and God has greatly used them, but in their personal life they were alcoholics, drunks, wife beaters, all kinds of things, because what moves here does not equate to your personal relationship with Jesus. That is your personal relationship with Jesus. You've got to walk out your faith with Jesus, no matter how good you get at flowing in the Spirit. And what we can do as believers, if we equate it, we're like, wow, if I only had this, then I'm special and I'm loved and I'm, I'm honored of God. And all of those over there, they're not. I'm special because I can do this stuff. Well, no, you can't. This right here is where we want to be. We want to have character. We want to know Jesus and be open to allowing him to do whatever he wants to do but not make it our identity. I did a lot of this as a goofy 21, 22-year-old. I could tell you some really cool, fun stories of what Jesus did because I know it wasn't me. At the time, at the time, I thought I was a special 21-year-old gifted and anointed and whatever. I have come to realize this. It had nothing to do with it. Man, I was a goofy kid. I was just open and available in the right place at the right time and people needed him and he was willing to do it. You are the move of God. It comes out of your relationship with Jesus and your willingness just to let him do what he wants to do. Are you willing to let Jesus do what he wants to do? so quiet this morning. Okay. Bless your name, Lord. You are the move of God. You know, uh, my dad and my mom were the move of God in my life. They brought Jesus to me. And still Jesus gave me opportunity to experience Jesus. Uh, I can remember when I was 10 years old and my mom and my, uh, all my aunts down in Mississippi were sitting in my mama's kitchen and they were all worshiping my Aunt Pearl uh, my mom, my Aunt Tip, and, and Mama, all the four of them singing on four different keys, uh, the same song, Oh, How I Love Jesus. It sounded horrible, but the presence of the Lord was there. And I, as a 10-year-old, had no idea what was happening, but I crawled underneath the kitchen table because there was so much love in the room, I couldn't handle it. And I just crawled underneath the kitchen table and wept from the love of Jesus that had filled the room. That was like my first time that I remember cognitively thinking there is a presence of the Lord. So they introduced me. They brought Jesus into my at because they carried Jesus into their at. Everywhere they were went, they carried Jesus. My Aunt Mary, I had come, I was 15 years old, wasn't following Jesus, didn't know how to follow Jesus, had not felt the presence of the Lord in years, was depressed, suicidal, uh, was down on vacation in Mississippi staying in our trailer while my two older siblings, two of my older siblings were going to college. And I, uh, my Aunt Mary, <laughs> the Holy Roller, who lived just a, little, a lot far from us, she invited us to church. And so finally, after a couple Sundays, my sister and I we said, we didn't have nothing else to do Sunday morning, so let's go. And we sat in the back, and that 
changed the trajectory of my life. Aunt Mary carried Jesus and just simply said, hey, would you like to go to church with us on Sunday? Simple, no pressure, nothing bad, you know, nothing hard. She just did a simple thing of inviting her nephew to church. She brought Jesus into my at. She was the move of God in my life. Do you see that? It's so simple. You are the move of God because you carry Jesus with you. And Jesus loves doing things like from Luke 4, 18 and 19. You can look it up later. You know, it's just what Jesus said, I, I'm anointed to do these things. Uh, he loves doing things uh, like in 1 Corinthians 12, healing, uh, setting people free, uh, giving words of knowledge, communicating. He loves doing things like that. So anything that you're open to allow him to do as you carry Jesus in your at, he's more than happy to do it. And you can be that move of God, just carrying Jesus. Can you imagine if, say, a, uh, well, let's just, I think there's about 70 in here, 60, 70 of us got this revelation and really just, as we went about our daily lives, whatever we did, we carried Jesus as the move of God in that, just carried him in. Don't you think, it would, man, wouldn't it be kind of crazy in our world? Can you imagine? It's like, wow. Number two. We build the walls around us as we move. We build those walls that Jesus points to us by building people. Building people is building the wall. Okay? You remember in... Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 4, it says that Jesus is the living stone. And in verse 5, it says you're living stones because Jesus lives in you and you're that stone. You know, he was the stone that the builder rejected, the living stone, and now he's living in you, so you're those living stones in, in um, 1 Peter 2, 5. So as you carry Jesus and as you are building up people around you by serving and taking care of others around you, you're bringing Jesus to them and you're building up those walls. You build walls simply by building people, loving people, being kind to people, carrying Jesus to them. Anything that Jesus would do, remember that old WWJD, what would Jesus do? Anything that Jesus would do, you're just doing it and it's becoming out of not something that you religiously have to do, not a system to do it. It just, the more time you spend with Jesus, it just bubbles out of you. You let Jesus serve people through you. And you'll do it, it'll be so natural that people were like, wow, you're just so different. I can remember I had a friend in high school and uh, by my senior year, uh, I got saved as a sophomore, all my sophomore year and my junior year were spent pretty much being a very loud, vocal, uh, Jesus shirt, uh, drive through town holding signs outside of my car, uh, you need Jesus, uh, very loud, vocal. Uh, and so then I got beat up like crazy by Satan. And by my senior year, I had gone into a shell. And I just was more of, I'm just going to keep it right here by me because I've been beat up a lot and I'm tired. 
you know, I didn't have a lot of mentoring support or people who taught me how to um, walk it out in a healthy way. So I went into my shell my senior year, and I had this friend, and I never officially talked about Jesus like real, real strong, but he just bubbled out of me, you know, in our, in our little friend group. And I can remember toward the end of my senior year, my friend says to me, I don't get this. What's different about you? And I said, what do you mean? He said, you're just different. I, I know a lot of people. You're just different than everybody else. What is it? And I was like, uh, Jesus? <laughs> you know? I mean, when you, get, when you spend time with Jesus, you begin to uh, smell like Jesus, look like Jesus, taste like Jesus, feel like Jesus, and it comes from Jesus, not from you. It's that different thing that people are looking for. The peace, the joy, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the self-control, those types of things. Not the religious. Nobody wants religious. That's like eating a, I don't know, like drinking vinegar. Ooh. Oh, you know. Yes, I want that. No, they want Jesus because Jesus is life. And so I, I was like, you know, it's really easy. You just ask him into your life. And he's like, I'll think about that. It was a couple years later that he called me up and he said, man, I, I answered an altar call at a little Baptist church, my wife and I, and, and uh, loving Jesus, thank you for being a witness to who Jesus was. And I was like, well, I just lived, G-, you know, I didn't purposely set out to win my friend to Jesus. And then uh, I, I saw him at my dad's funeral, so years have gone by. We separated. He was my best man, and I haven't talked to him in years. And he was still excited about Jesus. His wife and he are still going, uh, he and his wife are still going to church, still loving Jesus, still carrying, carrying Jesus where they go. My point is we don't have to make it hard and religious of something we got to do. We're the move of God. Oh, no, what now do I have to do? If you, if you get into that move, you've kind of taken your feet out from underneath you. It is, Jesus, I want to love you, and I want to shine you wherever I go. Any way you want me to do that, Lord, help me to be faithful to do that. And it takes some growth. The Lord prods you. And you, you may go in and out of your ability and your willingness to listen to the Lord. You know, when he prods you and says, hey, I want you to, uh, can, you, can you tell that person or give that person 20 bucks? And you're like, Lord, I only got 40, and I don't want to, you know. And he grows you in, or it's give him a hug, or... Uh, tell them that I love them or, you know, there's different ways that he prods us and it's learning to flow in, carry Jesus in all those ways. I had a thought this morning, Psalms uh, 23. I know what Psalms 23 is, but just my brain, my mouth sometimes moves faster than my brain. Uh, Psalms 23 verse 5 says, uh, he prepared a a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He anoints my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Okay. Jesus prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Jesus meets me in my at and brings a ton of good things. And the Lord asked me this morning as I was praying over here, he's like, as, as you carry me, do you prepare the table to the full extent to offer me in the fullest way possible? It was like this revelation clicked. There's more that I can do to prepare the table. I'm preparing the table so that my friends can sit next to Jesus. I'm the one that's serving the table and preparing the table now. I'm preparing it 
for Jesus to be able to share. So if all I bring are buttered crackers, that's the extent that Jesus can minister and love on the other person. If I bring a souffle, if I bring a five-course meal, because I've really put some time into thinking about and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to reach the person, with the love of Jesus, I mean, If I'm the move of God and I'm carrying Jesus, how far am I willing to go? Not condemnation. Toss it out. That's Sanabar and Geshem, the Arab, and this Satan. But really, just a heart thing of what's the Lord been laying on your heart? What's he been speaking to you of a way you can just bring Jesus into your at? It could be simply not reacting, bringing peace. Maybe you live in, a, in, a, in the middle of a tornado. And Jesus says, you know, what I want you to do by bringing me is I want you just to rest in me and trust me. And so you just bring peace in the midst of a storm. And you begin to, at some point, act like Jesus and go, hey, storm, peace. Someone's yelling at you and you answer with a kind word and it deflates the anger. That's bringing Jesus. You're in the middle of an old argument with a coworker or whoever. And instead of jumping back into the old argument, you calm down and you go, that's right, okay, Jesus. You know what? In that point, you're right, and I apologize. Ooh, bringing Jesus. I'm stressed out. I can't handle this anymore. I can't do it. Jesus. Okay, yeah, okay. Lord, I'm going to give it to you instead of me trying to carry this situation, try to carry these finances, try to carry this stress in this relationship, try to carry this or that or whatever, I'm going to give this to you, Jesus. I'm inviting you. I'm preparing a bigger table for you in the presence of mine enemies. You get it? It's building the wall. Now, we do this, number three and my... My final one, but it's a big one. <laughs> when you build a wall, it brings a personal benefit. Okay? When you build a wall, you're actually building community. When you build up others, you actually are building community. Everybody wants community. I remember when I started here, it was like, it was, if I heard a complaint for the first four years from anyone, it was, I don't feel community. I can't find community. And I was like, I don't, there's, there's a, a paradigm shift that has to take place. And community comes from being willing to pour into other people because when you do, you build relationships. It's caring. It isn't, community isn't, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait till you come love me. No one ever comes love me. And everybody is sitting where they're sitting, waiting for everyone else to come love them, and no one comes love them, and so no one fills community. 
And I realized, you know, it really is, if I, as the pastor, if I begin to really show love and, and talk to people and, and care, I mean, really from my heart, not as a deed, but really, I mean, if I start caring, then it'll catch on, hopefully, and people will start caring. And I think we have a very caring church. I think we're not religious in our, hi, how are you doing this morning? But really, it is, if any one of you were to say, you know, I'm not doing well, they would like stop whoever it was, and go, man, tell me about it. What's going on? Oh, really, your mom? You know, and, and they would get into it. And they probably know because we share enough about each other with each other that we know. You know, we know what's going on. I mean, the times you've shared about different family members, of if you were to say, you know, I'm having an issue with uh, my brother struggling or whatever, we'd be like, yeah, how's he doing? I've been praying for him. Because we care. We have built up a wall of building up other people, and by doing that, it provides a community that we're involved with as well. It's beautiful. And Jesus is saying, this is good. Let's, let's go out and invite others. Bring it out where you are as well, that community. Another benefit that we have is it builds faith. It builds faith. Because when we're here and as you're building up other people, then you begin to share with them your heart and they begin to share what Jesus is showing them and all of a sudden you're realizing you're not alone. You begin to hear the testimonies. People begin to get authentic and go, you know what? I hear you're having this issue. You know, I was right there four years ago. Let me, let me tell you what Jesus told me. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I, I sometimes feel like I share so much about my life, you know, and it's probably because I'm up here all the time and I just babble. I, 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 I haven't quite figured out the proper boundary of what I tell people and what I don't tell people. Some things I'm, I'm private on. If it's, it's concerning my wife and family, I tend to be more private. Uh, if it's concerning me, I'll tell you. Yeah, I was molested as a little kid. It isn't my identity. You know, it's something that happened to me. It's not my identity. Yeah, I was depressed, suicidal. Uh, I didn't like who I was. I hated who I was. It's not my identity. It was something that I walked through. You know, I, and that's the type of atmosphere I'd love us to have, and I'd love you to be able to walk in, of this is who, even to who I am a little bit right now. I'm struggling in this area, but it's not who I am. It's what I'm struggling in. I want a revelation of Jesus in this area, and I don't have it at the moment. You know? And it causes us to grow and be strong. That's building living stones. That's that wall. And lastly, it builds hope. Because hope moves to faith. Yeah, you're right, hope. Builds hope. It builds hope. It gives us something to believe for and to stretch our faith. You know, uh, I love the story of Lazarus. And I was, uh, I, I think it was on Instagram. I don't remember where I saw it, but it was a person walking down the steps of the, of the tomb of Lazarus. And it just went, it went down like 
three layers and there was a lot of ducking down. It must be a shrine in Jerusalem. Or, you know, it's outside of Jerusalem and there in Bethany, but it must be a shrine or something because uh, the people were walking around and doing it. And I got to thinking, okay, so Jesus is standing outside the tomb and he says, move the stone. And they say, we can't, Jesus. He's been dead for four days or three days. You know, it's going to stink. King James, but Lord, he stinketh. You know, and it's like Jesus says, I don't care. I am saying his identity is life because I am life. And I'm speaking myself into him. So Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And I wonder how long it was because Lazarus is wrapped up and all those steps and the ducking and stuff, how long was it for him to wake up and first go, where the heck am I? What is this? Oh man, I'm alive, but I'm all wrapped up. I need to get out of here, you know, scoot, get off of it. How long did Jesus just stand there and the people just stand there looking at the entrance to the tomb, waiting for Lazarus to figure out how to get up the stairway as he was wrapped Of course, I'm going down. Imagine going up. Hope is that voice of Jesus when you hear it when you're still down in the tomb and you're all wrapped up. And you begin by faith to build your faith out of hope. You begin to go, okay, I can get out of this tomb because Jesus has called me. But you're still wrapped up and you're still three flights down. Notice Jesus didn't say, hey guys, everybody run down there and carry him out because it'll be easier for him. Jesus let Lazarus respond and let his faith be built out of the hope that he spoke. He met him where he was in his hat and he said, I called you here. This is who you are. Now begin to move in that direction. Begin to respond. And you by faith. Oh, test, let me testify. I moved up a step. And everybody's like, oh, praise the Lord. And you're like, you don't understand. Jesus has called me out of the grave, and that's where I'm headed. And you just watch and wait. Because I'm going to, by hope, respond by faith and move forward. And you just keep watching, because you will see what I know in my heart. Hey, how will you let me testify? I've moved up another step. See, we look at that sometimes and we go, oh man, I don't think we'll ever get out of this. And we're not seeing, we're not, we don't have, we're not building that hope. We need to respond and build that hope and respond to them and speak yes and amen. I agree with you that Jesus has called you there and we're going to trust Jesus to empower you to crawl out of that grave. In any way I can to unwrap you, I will. But until that time, man, keep moving. Keep moving. Because you're the movement of God and God moves. In Him we live and move and have our being. In Him we live and move and have our being. Make a joyful noise. Sing unto the Lord. Tell him of his love. Come on, dance before him. Oh, it's an old 80s song.
Let me pray over you because you are the movement of God. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your beautiful church that you chose to pour your blood all over and forgive, that you chose to redeem as the kinsman redeemer and to call into holiness and who you chose to pour your Holy Spirit upon to sanctify and to make white as snow. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you loved them, you chose them, you honored them by your presence and by your peace, Lord. You are for them, Lord. So, Lord, I bless them and I honor them and I speak your words over them, that they would be a beautiful bride, that they would carry you wherever they go, Lord Jesus, in boldness, and that whenever any Satan speaks against them, that they would have that rise up within them, O Lion of Judah, and roar against Satan, against any word that's brought against who they are, Lord Jesus. I bless them this morning to hear from you and to see, Lord Jesus, as you see, to be that movement of your Holy Spirit everywhere they go. Lord, pour out the flood. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Lord raises a standard against it. Pour out that flood, Lord Jesus, through each of these individuals. In Jesus' powerful name, full of all authority in heaven and earth, Amen. Let it be so. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.